salutations and welcome back to the Live Wire Politics Podcast. My name is David Stanky, and as always, thank you for joining us today, and welcome. We have had a few requests come in for some 10-minute episodes focusing on one single topic. So today, here is the first episode on that subject matter. We're going to talk about taxing the rich. So the framing of the conversation goes something like this. The United States has created more millionaires and billionaires than any other country on the history of this planet. And because they have gotten so wealthy, it is at the expense of other people. And if we were to only increase the marginal tax rate on those making the most money in society, we would generate enough revenue to fund programs that are more equitable for everyone. That's the argument, generally speaking, and it's very popular. There are multiple members of the United States Congress, lawmakers, that are advocating for a 60, 70, even upwards of 90% marginal tax rate. So that begs the question, what evidence do we have within, let's say, the last 100 years that by increasing those marginal tax rates, we have seen increases in revenue to the federal government? Well, There's reporting. There's a lot of statistics. There's a lot of resources out there that you can find to help guide you in the right direction. One of which is the Economic Report of the President. It's a report that is published every term for every president, and it provides all the information that you would possibly need to make your own conclusion. So to set the trajectory of this conversation, I wanted to point out one very important indicator that we need to take into consideration before really anything else. And I want to make sure you're sitting down for this because it's really important. Over the past 100 years, that very top marginal tax rate has fluctuated from anywhere between 35% and upwards of 91%. But regardless of where it has fluctuated, The federal government has taken in anywhere between 15 to 20 percent of gross national product. And that's the way that the federal government would look at revenues. So no matter what happens in any economy and all of the different rates being adjusted, it has always stayed between 15 and 20 percent. And as a very quick footnote for anyone that's new to understanding how our tax system works, we have what is called a progressive tax system. So basically, the more money you make, the more tax burden you have. So the higher income you have, the higher the percentage of the taxes that you pay. So going back to our previous example, you might ask yourself, well, how can that be? Because if we were to adjust and increase that top marginal tax rates, wouldn't we see more revenue? So to help guide us through that question, I am going to refer to my favorite economist of all time, Dr. Thomas Sowell. And here are his words on the psychological underpinnings that take place when we look at our top tax rates and how that impacts the decisions and behaviors of human beings. The argument is based on the belief that uh, people will change their behavior as you change the tax rates. Uh, those of the left often act as if uh, human beings are just like inert blocks of wood or like chess pieces that you can move around on the, on the chessboard to put wherever you want to carry out some grand design. But, of course, people react to, to these things. Now, it's a theory, it's a hypothesis, and you could test it. Almost never is it tested. People then, people instead say, oh, you just want to give tax cuts to the rich. So one of the arguments that you'll hear is that by giving tax cuts to the rich, we're actually creating a budget deficit. We're not having enough money coming in, and therefore that's hurting other people and programs that we should be utilizing, and the rich don't need the tax cut. 
But let me tell you something that might surprise you. And again, this is one of those are you sitting down moments. The highest income earners have actually paid more in taxes. I repeat, more in taxes, which equates to more revenue for the federal treasury under low tax rates than they had under previously high tax rates. Bold, underline, repeat. Did we hear that and do we have evidence? The answer is yes. And for that, we go back to Dr. Soule. The effect on the economy was to increase the rate of growth, increase the revenue received by the government. The rich not only paid more taxes after the tax cuts for the rich, as they call it, they paid a higher percentage of all taxes. Uh, and this started back in the 1920s. Uh, in the early 20s, the tax rate on the top income was 70, 73%. And the, and the people making over $100,000 paid something like 30% of all taxes. By the end of the decade, the tax rate on the top had been cut to 24%. People making over 100000 now paid 65% of all taxes. And the reason was quite simple, that when you have the tax rate at 73%, people simply don't pay it. They put their money into tax-exempt securities and arrange their financial affairs. So what we're really talking about, is, do you want a symbolic high tax rate on the, uh, on the high-income people to, to win votes politically, uh, which, the, which the rich themselves are not, not going to pay? Uh, or do you really want uh, more tax revenue coming into the government? And that, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, is the million-dollar question. Do we want substance over optics, or do we want optics over substance? And the illustration that Dr. Soul gave was really only one of five. There have been five times where we have seen taxes decreased across the board, and those decreases have led to increased revenue. This happened under both Democratic and Republican administrations. Coolidge, Kennedy, Reagan, George W. Bush, Donald Trump. In each of those five cases, tax rates were lowered, revenues increased. And for me, that was the million-dollar question, the aha moment, was how could that be? Well, of course, when you have the wealthy reorganizing their financial affairs to bring money back into the economy, it's not just subject to the income tax, it's subject to a variety of other taxes. And one of the main reasons we don't hear about these success stories is because at the same time when those revenues are increasing from a result of lower tax rates, the federal government is increasing spending. This happened under Reagan, George W. Bush, and under Trump. So no wonder we're going to hear about budget deficits being a result of lower tax rates for the wealthy. Because at the same time, the federal government continues to spend more money. Have you heard of the Penny Plan? It was introduced in 2016. I've done a video about this. If the government were to cut just 1%, that's one penny out of a dollar, of all discretionary spending for four consecutive years with no increases, we could have a balanced budget in less than four years. I mean, if my math is correct, we could actually cut the federal income tax in half, and we would still have enough revenue equal to 2004. And that's just how much the government continues to grow well beyond its means, regardless of how much tax revenue that we actually take in on the federal level. So before we go on to our next experiment, I just wanted to interject and say any economist worth his or her salt is going to tell you that economics is not a hard science. Economics uses historical and empirical evidence to put together models to try to make predictions. They use psychology along with hard data and 
And ultimately, as voters and as consumers of information, we want to support platforms and candidates whose tax proposals are driven by the most amount of data and the most amount of evidence. Facts don't care about our feelings. And over the years, I've been met with some very uncomfortable facts. I was of the notion years and years ago that the rich didn't pay their fair share, so I was shocked and dismayed to find out that the top 1% of income earners are responsible for almost 47% of all the tax revenue on the federal level. I was surprised to find out that the top 20% of income earners are responsible for over 90% of all the taxes collected. And at one point in American history, the average worker would work about two weeks to pay off all of their state and federal and local taxes. Well, today, unfortunately, the average American works up until the very end of April to satisfy all of their tax burden. So for the last example, it's an experiment, really. We're going to look at what would happen if we, quote unquote, eat the rich. And this model was done in 2011. So I've tried to update it to 2019's numbers before the pandemic because I wanted to be fair. Obviously, the general income for the wealthiest of the wealthy has increased over the pandemic, but so has the spending. So to keep things fair, we're going to use 2019 numbers. Again, the math will be not exact, but it illustrates the general point. So let's say, hypothetically, we taxed 100% of income for anyone making over $250,000 a year. So if we did all of that, we would have enough revenue to run the federal government for a little over five months. Hmm, So that won't work. Let's go after corporate profits. Let's go after every single dollar of every profit that every company on the Fortune 500 made in one year. If we took every single one of those dollars, we would have enough revenue to fund the government for roughly 60 days. Hmm. All right, so let's try going after the billionaire class. So right now, all of the billionaires in the United States uh, represent about... $2.95 trillion in general wealth, and that's 2019 numbers before the pandemic. So let's say we liquidated every single one of their assets, took every stock, every bond, every yacht, every mansion, every single dollar. We would have enough revenue to run the government for roughly nine months. And this is all in one year, folks. We have a spending problem. Taxing the rich is not going to solve it, and it may look nice on a bumper sticker, and you may be able to sell a sweatshirt online for $65 with an 80% gross margin. We know who I'm talking about, but it's not going to bring real solutions to the problems that we face. And I hate to break it to you folks, we're not going to see it under this administration. Whether you liked them or not, the Trump tax cuts increased federal revenues, increased average household income by $5,000, decreased the average tax burden per family by $1,600. And if we want the American economy to roar like a 1965 Shelby GT500, we are not going to do so by taxing ourselves into prosperity. We're not going to do so by rewarding vice and punishing virtue. And we can do it, but it starts with you. And that's the end of the episode. Hey, we're going to do a whole new episode on wasteful government spending because so much of this conversation is dependent upon how the government spends our money once it receives it. And that will take a whole nother episode in and of itself. 
Hey, quick reading list for anyone who is interested in studying more on economics and economic theory. I would recommend Basic Economics by Thomas Sowell. I would also recommend The Road to Serfdom by Friedrich Hayek. Those two books really help shape my perspective on the world and how the economy works within it. And I think that'll help with your journey as well. Our call to action this week is for JJ's Hello Foundation. It's a great 501c, focuses on teen mental health and suicide prevention. Something that's near and dear to my heart, and they do great work, especially now we've seen increases in teen suicide rates as a result of the lockdowns. So the work that they're doing is more important now than ever. So if you can, please consider donating. For the LiveWire Politics Podcast, I'm David Stanky. Have a great week.